Taste buds, support for today's House of Carbs brought to you by Smart Water. Great taste deserves great tasting water. That's why Smart Water created two more ways to hydrate with the same great taste you know and love. New Smart Water Alkaline with 9 plus pH helps keep you hydrated while on the move and new smart water antioxidant with added selenium helps you find balance for your body and mind. Now you can order smart water by saying, Alexa, order smart water. Yourself will thank yourself. Smart water. That's pretty smart. Culinary comrades, today's House of Carbs also brought to you by Universal Orlando. If you're anything like me, one of your favorite things to do while vacationing is to enjoy delicious food and drinks. That's why you're listening to this podcast. Well, at Universal Orlando Resort in Orlando, Florida, you're going to find yourself a vacation experience where even your taste buds get to go on an adventure. While it would probably take a whole week to try all the food they offer down there, here are some fan favorite stops. You start your day off with a breakfast pizza. Yeah, I said that. That's what I'm talking about. A breakfast pizza. You need to be fortified. You want. You need lots of energy. You go to the Universal Hotel Endless Summer Resort. Then you go over Surfside Inn and Suites. You experience a mix of American, Mediterranean, and Asian fair cuisine. Uh, you can do that at the award-winning Mythos Restaurant. Cool off with an ice cream cone, Watori Fusion, at Universal's Volcano Bay, and get a taste of Italy for dinner with freshly prepared pasta at Vivo Italian Kitchen. Then a little dessert satisfy that sweet tooth at the Toothsome Chocolate Emporium and Savory Feast Kitchen. Download Universal Orlando Resort's foodie bucket list on their blog, and you visit www.com. UniversalOrlando.com to start planning your eating vacation today. All right, we have done it. My hungry home is my taste buds, my culinary comrades. Welcome. You made it. We are back. It is House of Cars, the food podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. For the hungry people, by the hungry people, I am your hungry host, Joe House. Terrific episode this week. Very, very pleased, humbled, and honored to have none other than the culinary director of Shake Shack. His name is Mark Rosati. He comes on. The conversation was so good. It's going to be part one and part two. Part one is a lot of background information about how he came to the job, Shake Shack's philosophy, how they motivate their folks to produce the incredible food and burger, uh, burgers and, and uh, hot dogs that they do, and, of course, the, the shakes. Part two, we're going to get into some important stuff like all the Shake Shack hacks, but that is coming down the line, my hungry homies. Part one with Mark Rosati, and then... None other than Ringer's beloved network, Jason Concepcion. He and Mallory Rubin were down in Nashville, Tennessee, 
and they did what you're supposed to do in Nashville. They ate hot chicken. They ate some barbecue. He's on to tell us a little bit about it. And he also shares with us a brilliant idea he has for sharing some soup thoughts among the Ringer Illuminati. But let's get in that belly, my hungry homies, with Mark Rosati. All right, my culinary comrades, I have no idea how we have been doing this House of Carbs show for two years, and we are just now getting around to having this esteemed guest. He is a true taste bud, maybe the hungriest homie ever. He is the culinary director of Shake Shack. Mark Rosati, welcome to House of Carbs. Ah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So, Mark, I have probably two and a half million questions for you. Uh, I'm not <laughs> sure if we're going to get to all of them, but I want to start with something that uh, I know will, will be uh, helpful to all of our taste buds out there. We're affirmatively firmly in the midst of grilling season. We had an episode last week about grilling strategies, grilling uh, techniques uh, in 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 uh, the event of the 4th of July, the beginning of the beautiful two-month grilling season we have uh, in front of us. Glorious. Please share with the Hungry Homies your, your own grilling strategy for the 4th, if, if you would. Yes. Well, what I love to do, I mean, to celebrate the 4th of July, you're really going to be cooking outdoors. You have to have a lot of friends over. You have to have a lot of ice cold beers. And you got to perform. You just can't have your friends come over and say, I'm, I'm cooking out. And think they're just going to be happy with, like, mediocre outdoor fare. you got to bring the game. And uh, I think two of my favorite items uh, that are easy to cook and serve are hamburgers. i got a lot of practice in the past couple of years working at Shake Shack. <laughs> and hot dogs. But what I love about cooking outdoors is they actually, while I use a grill, I use two different methods. For me, a hot dog, I like to cook them over the open fire because I love that skin to get nice and crisp and charred. There's nothing better to me than a nice, like, charred hot dog on a bun. Sometimes that with, like, a little bit of mustard is all I need. But, of course, you want to put a ton of stuff on there, go nuts. The burgers, this is where it gets a little tricky. While, while I like the grill because it's outdoors in the summer, you should be outdoors celebrating that good weather. I am a hardcore griddled smash burger purist. Right. And even, even in the most controlled, perfect uh, environment, I still would choose the griddle over a grill. And the yeah. reason why is, especially for our style of cooking, like we're taking a ball of meat, putting it on a hot piece of steel and smashing it down and creating this perfect sear on the burger. You just can't get that on a grill because if you smash the burger on a grill, the meat's going to go right through the grate. The right. other problem with that for me is that I want my burger to be very juicy. And I just find sometimes cooking outdoors on a grill, uh, the juice can render out. It can't sear the entire piece of meat on the grill because you only have those a certain amount of like grill slots that are actually touching the meat. The rest is just the heat, and sometimes that will not seal the meat. So the juice might come out, and it might be dry. So what I like to do, is while I have my hot dog grilling literally like right over the, the burning embers, I put a griddle pan on my outdoor grill and get that hot and smash my burgers on that. So I'm still ah. using uh, propane, uh, charcoal wood to, to cook, and I'm yeah. outdoors. 
but I'm putting that piece of steel over there so I can still cook the burgers I like. Now, through through the just the nature of the beast there, you might get a little smokiness coming off like the burning embers that might perfume the burger, which yeah. is a win. You can't get that just using a griddle. Right. It, exactly. So so you can have it both ways. And if your friends want to come over and say, Hey, can we like grill a fish? Yeah, you got a little you can have the grill open. So you can do it the old fashioned way that people always uh, uh associate with grilling. But again, you want to make sure your burgers are on point. Also, if you're gonna cook a chicken breast, I would do it in the pan too, because again, you're gonna be able to sear it and make it as juicy as possible. To me, I never cook chicken breast on griddles because it's always overcooked and it's like it's just death. And the worst thing to do is go up see all the food out, you pick a chicken, you eat and go, oh my God, it's like eating shoe leather. I just, <laughs> I stay away from those. Yeah. But if you're going to do it, because it is a crowd pleaser, the griddle pan on half of your grill will up your game right there. This is incredible. I mean, we, we've already done an incredible public service for all of our taste buds out there. I mean, honestly, we could end the podcast now, but, but, uh, because we, our, our work here is done, but, uh, <laughs> uh, there are some, uh, really exciting things going on with Shake Shack that, that uh, I want to get to, but I, I have to begin at the beginning. You have been, uh, working in some capacity or another with Shake Shack for over a decade now. How did you come to this job in the, in the very first place? I, I've been working for um, the larger company, the company um, that founded Shake Shack, Union Square Hospitality Group, and the founder of the overall company, a restaurateur by the name of Danny Meyer here in New York. Yes. The man is a legend. Before right. I even dined in his restaurants as a kid, I knew the name. I knew he stood for culinary excellence and great hospitality. So it was a little, a little budding food geek growing up in Connecticut, uh, very close to uh, New York City. I, I kind of like was inspired by these, these restaurants I would read about where, you know, the service, the wine, the atmosphere, people would save all this money just for, for, for five hours in one of these restaurants to, 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 to try the food and get the experience. And that was kind of like, wow, that's pretty interesting. I wonder what it's all about. When I finally got to go to one of Danny's restaurants, I did notice a difference. I noticed not only was the food on point, I knew it had to be. Uh, with a reputation like that, I knew the food would deliver. But it was the hospitality, the team. I mean, to be honest, I'm in, I'm in one of the restaurants. I might have been underage at the time. No one asked. And <laughs> uh -huh. uh, I ordered a lamb dish. And uh, the server comes over and says, you know, this dish is so great, so hearty. It just, it needs wine. And I said, well, what wine would you recommend? And he goes, well, you know, there's a couple different ones. I could recommend maybe this red because it has like this nice fruity uh, note to it. It might, it might work with this dish. But also this white here, it has like just great acidity and like lamb's rich. It might cut through the richness. And like, I'm pretending like I know what he's saying. I have no idea. But again, I <laughs> might've been underage at the time. I can't confirm or deny, but I said, wow, those sound good. He goes, well, you know what? I could talk for hours. He goes, let me bring the wines over. You try them. You tell me which one you think works best in the dish. And then that's what you're going to drink with it. And I'm like, I, I love this place. Oh my God. Yeah, this is amazing. Right. And yes. again, I, I think what makes like, his restaurant's exciting, Danny Meyer, is he, the, the idea is to try to make it not just about the food, but make it a memorable experience. And it's, it's, it's the hospitality. It's, it's, it's the experience, the lighting, the music. If it's done right when you walk out the door, you're happier than when you walked in. And I was blown away. I walked out clicking my heels. It worked on right. me. So yeah. when, when I got into the business, uh, I worked at one of his restaurants, uh, Gramercy Tavern. 
Legendary. Which was one of my favorite. Uh, it's legendary. It's definitely a New York institution. Right. And I, I had never gone to cooking school. Like, uh, I learned it all from Gramercy. I did three years in the kitchen under two wonderful chefs. The first chef, uh, Tom Colicchio of, of uh, Top Chef. And then yes, the current chef, uh, Mike Anthony. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it was to have both of those chefs, like, be your teachers and different styles, different personalities, but in the same kitchen where I always knew the flow of the kitchen. So that was like my, my, my comfort blanket. But yeah. then I could allow myself to learn new stuff in the comfort of a, uh, an environment that I was familiar with. It really sped up the learning. Um, so fast forward three years, it's now 2007. Shake Shack at this point had opened. And uh, while working at Gramercy, I had walked the Shake Shack. Because everyone's like, oh, it's great, man. It's, it's, it's like the In-N-Out Burger of the East Coast. Like, everything's really good and fresh. you got to try it out. So I, wait, I went, and I, I waited in line. And I think I waited about an hour and a half wow. on a hot, hot summer day. Yeah. And I got the food, and I looked at it, I go, son of a gun. I just <laughs> wasted half my day. i got to run, and now I'm going to be behind my shift at work uh, because I waited for this burger. And then I took a bite and was blown away. I'm like, wait a minute. This looks simple, but... I don't think I could even make this if I try. Like, what are they doing to this thing? It right. was delicious. Yeah. And uh, I was a fan. I waited in the line many times since then. I was a fan. And then at the end of my time at Gramercy, I, I did not want to leave the company because I, I really believed in what Danny Meyer's vision was for restaurants. And also, you know, all that love we gave the guests. The most important thing in Danny's world is you give that love to each other. You make sure you as an employee, you're psyched to see your other employees. If they're having a bad day, you just try to, cheer them on and make sure they're they're going to get through the day and be fine I'm like this is great like i never really seen this in any other job i've ever taken in my life i kind of want to stay around but i want to grow and the only other restaurant in the company at the time that had an opening for management which i wanted to get into uh was shake shack huh. and all of danny's restaurants at this time were all fine dining white tablecloth michelin star and you know i've just been working really hard to build my reputation so when Shake Shack came around, uh, the hiring director's like, you want that interview? I'm like, oh, God, I don't know about this. <laughs> like, I like it, yeah, but I don't love it. So I actually went to an interview, and um, it wasn't until I actually walked in the kitchen. I did fall in love because all the same, the same ingredients I cooked at Gramercy Tavern, they were in this little shack. It was the same purveyors. And the, more importantly, that hospitality that I loved was alive and well there too. It's just like our other restaurants. It's just more simplistic. It was just American comfort food and could not be more simple and more humble, but at the same time, really well thought out. And again, like the same fine dining mentality that made like these amazing dishes come to life at Gramercy was making sure the French fries were exciting. I was like, Oh, this is, this is kind of cool. Maybe I'll, I'll give it a little, uh, a little spin for a while. And, um, you know, fast forward, it's, it's been actually 13 years this month since I joined the company. Um, and it's been very surreal because uh, I just wanted to learn uh, people management. And uh, there was just one location. And now we uh, are in 16 countries around the world and we have over 238 locations. Yeah. So um, it, it, it's a, uh, in, incredible success story and you know the thing that you mentioned about that um intercompany you know that the how the employees treat each other you know in, in view of um 
some of the revelations over the last couple of years about how hard the restaurant industry can be and what a challenge it can be for employees uh, in, in the food industry to, you know, survive and, and, and make a living. Um, it remains the case that, that, you know, Danny's been able to distinguish his businesses and Shake Shack in, in particular that way. How have you, uh, I, I have taken note of, of two, um, you know, recent openings, one in Southeast Asia, you're in Singapore now, and one that's coming up yep. in, in Mexico. How do you think about the people that are from those countries that are going to work in your Shake Shack establishments um, in in uh, non-U.S. Uh, environments. We want to make sure that they feel that same love and culture. And before we even open those countries, that's such a long process to open, um, let alone a new city in America. Then, like you add in an international city, it becomes a whole other world, and it's something we don't go uh, into lightly. Um, the very first international location we opened was actually our seventh shack. It was in Dubai. Oh, and we wow. did not, that was not our trajectory to make this massive jump, jump so, so sh like uh, early in our career. Yeah. Um, but we had an amazing opportunity. Wonderful partners came to us and they said, we would like to take you guys to the Middle East. And at this time we had two locations in New York City and we, we thought they had us mistaken with someone else, but they're like, no, no, it's you guys, Shake Shack. You know, we went to this location, that location. Like, well, checks out, but we still don't believe you. So they flew right. us out to the Middle East, and our partners are wonderful operators. They actually operate all the Starbucks in the Middle East uh, on top of other restaurants like Cheesecake Factory. Um, and when we went out there, we realized these guys represent Starbucks so well that they almost run Starbucks better than Starbucks runs itself in America. Oh, wow. And we're like, these guys are professional. They're great operators, and more importantly, they were great people, you know, work aside, these are the type of people like we would want to hang out with and be friends. You know, they were cultural fits and, and that's right there, how it has to be for us. Anytime yeah. we try to, uh, we, we work with a partner, they have to be cultural fits because again, we want them to understand our brand of hospitality. They want us to know that the most important person to us every day is not, is not the guest. The guest is the second most important. It's each other. And either you have that mentality or you don't. And if you don't, we're not going to help you to learn it. It's like we want people that just naturally think that way because you can't, you can't train that. Yeah, um, right. So when we find partners like in, in Singapore or Mexico City, that's, that's the first part is just saying, hey, let's talk. Let's go get dinner and just see if we even like each other and just want to find out. It's kind of like going on dates, you know. It's like sure. dating around, kind of getting the vibe, seeing you really quick. Um, because then – the most important thing to us is when we open one of those cities, we have a wonderful training team uh, that we send in. Um, the, some of the best and the brightest from the state. Sometimes we even pull one of our other international uh, shack team members to come and train. Yep. But we have them there for almost two months. And like cooking is easy. I can teach anyone how to cook a burger. Just give me an hour. We got it. We can train that. We know that business. But the hospitality and really inoculating that into a new city is what takes a lot of time. So to make sure the culture is there and make sure the employees are feeling the same amount of love and respect that they would get if they worked for one of our domestic shake shacks, that's what we're really doing. Again, the, the training is a small part. Once we get the shack open, usually the team has got to do a great job. But understanding our brand of hospitality, understanding our culture, 
um, that's so important to us. And again, we, uh, we have our partners come out very often. They come to retreats with us. They spend a lot of times in the shacks, a lot of times with our corporate office and our leadership, just, just drinking the Kool-Aid and getting to know us, getting to understand what makes us tick. And that's, that, that, that's what it really yeah. starts with. That makes a, lo- a lot of sense. Um, we have to talk about the food. So For sure. um, with, with the international footprint, the, the expanding footprint, how much of your time as culinary director is devoted to coming up with menus that make sense in these different cultures um, as measured against the role, the job that you have here domestically to keep innovating with the Shake Shack menu and keep coming up with things that are interesting and, and attractive to your, your U.S. audience? You know, that, that's a really great question. And um, it, it is very different mindsets and very different worlds. Uh, I occupy the whole culinary team as we think about, you know, international versus domestic. And how we look at it is... Um, each, each one of like our international locations is kind of like uh, in stages. It's almost like having a newborn and watching them grow up, going to middle school, and eventually graduating college down the road. And they're all like different like little uh, stages that they're all in. Um, the first thing, like we, we just opened in Mexico City. Um, and, and for that, what we want to do is make sure the core menu, the menu that people have come to love, uh, like the Shack Burger and our crinkle cut fries, yeah, are a hundred percent on point. And the one thing we hear every time we open in a new country is, "Is it as good as New York?" A lot of people say, "The first time I had you guys was many years ago. I was in New York City. I went to this, this shack in the park, and like I waited forever. I got a burger, and it blew my mind. Is it going to blow my mind?" And we spend so much time to make sure that the core menu is as good as New York. We like yeah. to work locally too. I mean, if we can, if we can source something locally, if we can have one of our sauces made locally, we'd love to do that. But at the end of the day, we know there's high expectations, and it has to taste just like it does here. So that's where we put ninety say ninety percent of our focus. But the other point is, we love food. We're a bunch of culinary geeks and nerds. So we're in a new country that has a whole new palette of flavors for us to work with, um, and that's where we try to localize a couple items. So usually with our, our our frozen custard part of the menu, which is our freshly made ice cream, that's where I, we have I, a lot of fun. Like in Mexico City. Yeah. We recently created a horchata shake, and uh, we spent so much time dialing in the flavor profile between like, the cinnamon and the rice. Uh, there's a little bit of coconut in there, too, just to make it really delicious and stand out. And one, one side, we want to be authentic, but the other side, we know people are coming to us because we're Shake Shack, and we do American-inspired uh, comfort food really well. So the trick is like being ourselves, but at the same time, paying respect and homage to like, the local culture and flavors and doing something that feels right for both of us. Um, same thing in Singapore. We created a, a great shake using uh, pandan leaf, which is so popular out there. And mm-hmm. uh, that too, like for me, for me, the best part of the job is when um, we have, we usually have like a, a media days where people can come in and be the first to try the food and hear the story. It's when they say, you know, I knew I was going to like your burger and I knew I was not going to like that shake because who are you guys to use pandan in a shake? And then I taste it and go, wow, you guys really did your research. This is very delicious and it tastes as it should. That's it. To me, that's the greatest compliment in the world. We know, we know how to make our shack burgers, but to play with those local flavors, we don't take it lightly. And that right there can take a lot of our time and bandwidth to really make sure that that little 10% of the menu that that's locally inspired, but almost like a, uh, 
uh, a tip to the hat to that country and their great right. culinary heritage. We want to make sure that's super on point too for the locals that they appreciate the work we've done. Um, so that that can take a lot of work. But then back at home, you know, we we're not we're not new in America. We've been around for a while. We have over uh, oh my god, maybe about close to a hundred shops in America right now. So here, just bringing Shake Shack as as we know it to new cities. People have had it. They know it well. They, they know of us. We have to go a little more higher end, if you will. Yeah. Um, and eventually, those international countries, as, as they start to get more mature, then we start to have more fun. We might add different menu items down the road. But here in the States, um, we, we do like to do a lot of special items. Um, and we actually recently opened our own uh, culinary innovation kitchen in uh, the West Village, uh, where we work out of. And this menu, this one shack in the world, is changing all the time. We've done everything from our version of a chicken parm sandwich to a uh, double dry aged burger topped with a local cheese and a, uh, a smoked mayonnaise. And little things like that, we're creating those all in that kitchen. That definitely is more 2.0. Shake Shack, that burger actually, in, in a first for us, was not on our uh, potato roll, which everyone Uh-oh. knows Shake Shack for serving their burgers on. Exactly. That's right. And if you, if you, if you try the burger and, and you see it, you'd be like, it still feels and looks like Shake Shack. It's, it's maybe Shake Shack, maybe wearing a tie on the night out. You know, it's a little more dressed up, but it's still Shake Shack at the end of the day. So, so here we like to push the envelope and see what resonates with our guests. And then our guests are our biggest fan. They'll tell us if they like something and they'll also tell us if uh, we can do better. Yeah, but so... we'll never know unless we try. So that's, that's what this location is all about. And we recently added nationally uh, chicken bites to our menu, which we're doing in a limited time. Um, but that was something that was born out of testing here in New York, and that's something you cannot get international. But again, Shake Shack uh, is going to turn 15 years old this year. So man, we've been oh, here for a long time in America. And like for our guests back home that have been devoted and have had a lot of Shack burgers, we like to try new stuff to kind of keep their excitement going. Yeah, I'm I'm here in Washington D.C. I was lucky enough. You guys ran a trial of the chicken bites, and I probably devoured, I don't know, um, fifty dozen of them. I mean, that might be an exaggeration by a little bit, but but I I loved them. Now that West Village Innovation Kitchen is that something that folks can just walk into from off the street? They can, they can. So how it works is, it's a regular Shake Shack. You walk in the door, um, but Monday through Friday, depending on what we have going on. Uh, usually from, say, maybe 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., there's usually someone downstairs. You can actually go from the shack. There's a staircase. You can walk downstairs, walk past the restrooms into another hallway, and you'll see the innovation kitchen. There's a big, bright sign saying innovation kitchen. And uh, we've had a lot of people wander down, just kind of knock on the door and wave, or, you know, we're happy to talk to people and tell them what we got going on. But um, what's great about this here is we actually have um, – like kiosks upstairs and uh, uh, questionnaires. So if you try a new item, you can actually give us feedback in real time. And the bites started out that way here before we launched them in other cities as tests. Uh, and we refined them further. Some people are like, you know, I like them, but maybe they're too spicy. Some people are like, they're not spicy enough. So all that feedback we collected and kept refining as we, uh, as we decided to slowly roll it out over the rest of the country. Um, but again, if you come here, there's always special menu items. Maybe there's special shakes, lemonades. Um, we're being very seasonal right now. Uh, actually last month, we just finished up running 
a uh, carrot chamomile uh, lemonade. So go oh, to man. the green market. Chamomile's growing everywhere wild right now. Um, yeah. Taking that in again, doing something comfort, but also working with the season. So you can find a lot of fun stuff if you come to this location. Yeah, I, I love it. And I'm hoping that spreads. So, Mark, this is uh, going to be part one of a continuing conversation with Mark Rosati of, of Shake Shack. Um, we have to bounce today, but I have a whole series of men uh, of, of questions for you relating to the so-called secret menu at Shake Shack that uh, I want to do. Yeah. Uh, we have to do a deep dive on that next time you come on. But I'm going to thank you very much for, for coming sure. on today. And I'm going to talk to you again very soon. My thanks to Brother Rosati. Can't wait for part two. You can't wait either, my hungry homies. Before we get to network, couple words from some important friends. First, Zip Recruiter. Hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks, resumes, confusing review. But today, hiring can be easy. You only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter.com slash carbs. Zip Recruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. But they don't stop there. They have powerful matching technology. ZipRecruiter is scanning thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and inviting them to apply to your job. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers, that's 80% who post on ZipRecruiter, get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, House of Carbs listeners, and try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash carbs. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash C-A-R-B-S. ZipRecruiter.com slash carbs. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. Hungry homies, today's show also brought to us by our legitimately serious and wonderful Ben and Jerry's, the hungriest homies. It is summer, and summer is prime ice cream season. My culinary comrades, you do not need me to tell you about that. I have been going old school this summer, my culinary comrades. I'm on a chocolate brownie kick. Why am I doing that? Well, I rediscovered how beautiful the multi-chocolate flavor of the brownie and it turns out it's a little bit of a lighter lighter flavor profile. So when I'm sitting on my back porch watching my little guy out in the alley getting his 50 jumpers up every night, the chocolate brownie's next to me. It's nice and, and, and refreshing out in the hot D.C. Uh, evening. And I'm watching Shorty get his jumpers up. That's living life. My friends, treat yourself to your own favorite flavor anywhere that ice cream is sold or find yourself a new favorite at benjerry.com that's b-e-n-j-e-r-r-y.com all right my taste buds you know how we like to do it here at house of carbs any opportunity we have to sit down with our ringer friends our ringer colleagues all of our beloved hungry homies in the ringer universe when they're out and about eating in interesting food cities we have them on today 
We are humbled and honored. We have on the line, he is senior creative for The Ringer. He is the host of the Emmy award-winning digital program, NBA Desktop. He is co-host of one of America's very best and most celebrated podcasts, Binge Mode, Jason Concepcion, my boy network, welcome to House of Carbs. Wow, how do I, what an incredible intro. I don't think I've ever been introed that kindly before. It's amazing. Network, if you yes. if you want, feel free to take that that digital clip. And we can, you can put it right on your voicemail <laughs> and make everybody listen to that. Anytime they call you and they don't get you, they can listen to that. So they I, know who you are. You I know what I'm it. saying? Can we talk? Uh, can we talk British Open for a second? Um, well, we're going to go off. We'll do. We're going to do. Let me just. Uh, 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 word of warning to all the taste buds. We're going to go off and do a little fairway rolling here for a minute because we're taping during the Open Championship, aka the British Open. Network has a surprising little bit of insight for us. So let's go ahead and do some rolling, my man. This is only from my mom, and my mom will be thrilled that I'm talking to you because she is a golf freak freak. She considers, and I'm not even joking, she considers Tiger Woods to be like her firstborn son. I have a brother, and she recently, so she sent me a text when I was nominated for the Emmy. It was right after Tiger won uh, the Masters, and it was, my firstborn son won his fifth green jacket, and you are (laughs) nominated for an Emmy. I feel that it's good luck, my two sons. I have an actual brother who is not mentioned in the text. (laughs) It's just me and Tiger. It's very well, tough. And she, so I asked her, like, how, how I texted her recently, how are you feeling about the British Open? She says this, texted me this. He's not doing well. Doesn't even need to mention who. Tiger. He's not doing well. Hopefully tomorrow will be better. He likes playing this kind of golf course. She's right. She's, it's, an <laughs> extraordinary, it's, it's extraordinarily insightful out, out of uh, Mrs. Network. Mama Network, pardon me, not Mrs. Yeah, Network, yeah. Mama Network. Uh, she is uh, right on point. I mean, maybe she wants to come on the show. Maybe I'll have oh her on God. Fairway Rolling. Listen, we can you're, both... not, you're honestly not ready for it. She has anything that you can, <laughs> anything that has happened, all the all the controversies in Tiger's life over the past five years, she has an absolute explanation for it that exonerates Tiger Woods. Exonerates I'm, him. The whole thing, crashing the car, that yeah. was... That was the doctor. Why is the doctor prescribing these pills to him? He should have his license taken away. That's Did the doctor make his penis go to other women? Because he was like blacked out. You know how like people take Ambien and they and they sleep eat. This is what was happening to him because he was on all these drugs that this nefarious doctor was prescribing him. And this doctor should be absolutely in jail. That's my mother's take. Well, you know, that is the plot line of, of Big Little Lies this season. So, <laughs> I mean, it's being at least the showrunners of Big Little Lies subscribe to, subscribe to this theory, the power of Ambien. I wonder, is that a is that a defense now? I mean, is that, actually, I don't want to talk about. Yeah, according to her, she is. Yeah. I appreciate very much your mom, you giving us your mom's uh, right up to the very second update. Tiger's going to miss the cut at the British Open. She's, um, she's going to. And he distraught. has said he, he's he's just physically not up to uh, competitive golf right now. So he's going to take a little time. He's been traveling. He went to Thailand uh, over the past month with his family, uh, where his mom is from. But we love Thai food, so yes, um, it was it was worth it. As far as I'm concerned, it was a worthwhile trade. 
she's she will be you know she's happy that he's spending time with the kids and she's a big <laughs> fan big big fan she will never miss an opportunity to bring up that he's half Thai don't forget it I, she listen I, I, she will not let you forget it he's half Thai why does everybody he is half Thai yes that's what she'll say the Tiger Woods one of she's the she's right and she'll just be like he's half Thai don't forget his mother <laughs> I'm serious. Well, let, let's talk about, uh, speaking of, of vacations and voyages and travels, you were very recently mm -hmm. in Nashville, Tennessee, like not even a week ago, right? That It was last weekend. Last weekend. And the, the occasion was the annual, uh, I'm going to get it, do they call it GamesCon? What's it called? Con of Thrones. It is Con the, of Thrones, of the second Game of Thrones convention. And it was wonderful. It was a great time. Nashville is a wild city. It was right in downtown, so it was like, I don't know if people are aware of this. Certainly people around the South are aware of this. But Nashville is, is the bachelorette party capital of the world? Yes. Why? Why I, is that? A, it's a great question. They have this strip <laughs> down there on Broadway, which is kind of like a mini New Orleans, you know, the open container. You can walk around drinking. And okay. they've just kind of marketed into that space and it is, it is wild. Everywhere you look, there are bachelorette parties. They have these party barges and sure. various kinds where it's like one kind of party barge is like a duck boat without walls. It just kind of goes up and down and it's every one of these is filled with bachelorette parties. And then they have like a pedal barge, which is, this is too much work, but this is what it is. It's like a, another one of these barges where you sit and drink beer from a tap while pedaling, which powers the barge, and then they have one that's like a, a a tractor pulling a kind of cart that would you, normally would be used to like transport hay, bales of hay, but then it would just be full of bachelorettes. And all day, all night, all day, all night, all day, and night, these barges go up and down, and you just hear like, ah, screams. It's wild. <laughs> it's so insane. Th that sounds glorious, honestly. <laughs> um, and yet another reason for me to add... Uh, Nashville to my to my must list. I'm, yes. I'm fortunate enough. I'm actually headed down to Memphis, Tennessee, tomorrow. Ooh. I'm going to do some eating. I'm going to be down there for three or four days. And speaking of of uh, folks of Thai origin and 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 fried chicken, uh, I'm going to mm. if 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 the the golf gods uh, so reward us, interview uh, Thai golfer Kiradek Effie Barnrat. Ooh. Who is a man of? He's a worldly man with a with a worldly appetite, but I don't believe he's ever had Gus's world famous fried chicken. So I'm gonna head it down there to enjoy that with him. But but I I should I, I didn't build into the trip an extra little stopover in Nashville. Now I I wish I had. Having heard you tell this this description of Nashville, though, it still doesn't help me understand why in the hell a Game of Thrones convention would be held there. I think it just seemed like a, it was just kind of like a central spot. That uh, was driving distance to several major cities, including you know, and Atlanta, um, the people in southern Illinois, Ohio region, um, the Mid Atlantic, and easy flying distance from numerous other places. It seemed like it well, was a great, great spot, and it was a party spot, um, and the food was great. Yeah. So let's talk about the food. I saw a picture of you and Mallory with uh, Jordan Khan and his wife. Yes. Uh, speaking of a, a ringer. Uh, consigliere and 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 uh, ringer family life. 
Uh, and I think they were your hosts for for uh, one of the the finest Nashville traditions, which is hot chicken, the spicy baby. chicken, the oh, hot man. chicken, right? Let me tell you something. The chicken is hot. They're not. <laughs> they're not kidding. The chicken is hot. Uh, so we went to Bolton's uh, Spicy Chicken and Fish because the yes. um, Prince's, which is kind of like the iconic spot. Um, which Danny Chow wrote about in, in a really incredible long form piece here at the ringer.com, a great website, was I think it, something, I think a car crashed into it or it caught fire or something. Anyway, we weren't able to go there. So we went to Bolton's in East Nashville. Um, I got the uh, chicken breast, a couple of sides, some slaw and some uh, some greens. And uh, I, got the, I got the light mild. So it goes no spice, an increase, increasing level of spiciness, no spice. Yeah. Light, mild, mild, medium, high. And I got light, mild. And let me tell you something. It was freaking hot. <laughs> <laughs> like the corners of my mouth were burning. Uh, yes. My eyelids were sweating. Okay. Uh, it, was, it, it was extremely hot. What about the top of your head? Did it go that far? It didn't. You know, like I've had that. Uh, but it didn't go to the top of my head. It kind of went up to the top of my forehead. My scalp itched a little, but didn't sweat. But my yes. eyelids were sweating profusely. But it's the kind of it's the kind of hot where, if you keep going, you're okay. Like if you stop, oh. if your mouth stops moving, you're in trouble for a little while. And also, and again, my lips were absolutely on fire. Um, but but if you kept, I I just kind of kept chewing, and I was okay. You know. But did, it, it was hot. Did anybody, did anybody get the hot fish? No, uh, no one got the hot fish. It was mostly like chicken tenders. Um, actually, Jordan might have got the catfish medium, and he was regretting it. Um, oh, yeah, he was, it was like too hot. He was like, I should have stepped down. Apparently, what I, so what I learned from from Jordan and his wife, who are uh, who are Nashville, located there in Nashville, was that apparently the spice at Bolton's is a little more aggressive than Prince's. Okay. It was delicious, though. Delicious. Yeah. Have you so, tried it? Uh, I have not because I haven't been to Nashville, and I mm. want to try it in, in its in its hometown. I mean, a few of these places have made it out of Nashville. Like there are Hattie B's, mm -hmm. um, which is the other Nashville institution for for hot chicken. Um, there they've they've done a little franchising, but I haven't tried uh, any of this because I want to do it. In, in its birthplace. I want to do it the right way, the way that the, the food gods intended. So mm. I'm saving my hot chicken for Nashville when I'm physically in Nashville in much the same way, Jason, that I have never had Gus's world famous fried chicken, uh, even though there are franchises all over this great country of ours, including uh, Los Angeles and the DMV. I have not, I deliberately have not had Gus's because I wanted to have it uh, in Memphis, Tennessee, and mm. under the tutelage and supervision of Memphis native son Chris Vernon, um, which is exactly how it's going to go down in a handful of days. Nice, nice. Yeah, I'm proud. So, of uh, I, I'm interested in in what else you observed about the food scene in Nashville besides uh, Bolton's, because obviously, you know, the hot chicken is the thing. You went there and you and you did that, but it also has a reputation for being kind of like. Um, very, very diverse, maybe like surprisingly diverse, more diverse food-wise than folks might anticipate. Did you encounter that? Was that part of your experience? Well, I went 
I went for the staples on this time. I am going back in a couple weeks um, to try and spread out. But I went for the staples. So I did the hot chicken. And then, then the other thing we did was the barbecue, which oh, um, Nashville has its own barbecue tradition, kind of like a different yeah. kind of more vinegary sauce, which they have like in a squeeze bottle, particularly at Martin's. Um, and then I found it to be quite good. Um, quite good. Um, did you go pork? Did you go beef? What was your I barbecue went I went uh, strategy? Pork. I went pulled pork. Give me the pork. Yeah. Um, I'm a brisket or pork person or ribs. Those That's my yeah. go-tos. Um, yeah. So I, well, when you're trying it for the first time, I think that's the sensible way to do it. Yes. Classic. Now, so I went have, classic. You, have you had Carolina barbecue? Not yet. No. Because what you're describing, to, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm interested, I'm going to look up this the, the Nashville uh, uh tradition what you're describing in terms of the vinegar um kind of uh, approach and and especially in that in that pulled pork vein uh north carolina has a very vinegar based um uh, approach like highly kind of acidic sauce that goes with chopped pork and you have a chopped Mm. pork sandwich uh you know in a big soft squishy roll and then you 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 know the the consistency of the vinegar uh uh sauce is is it's a lot less thick than than your kind of what you would imagine of your traditional like Kansas City thick barbecue sauce. So it gets a little. You can really coat the thing. You can really soak it, and if you soak it up in the bread uh, for the chopped pork sandwich, oh, yeah. it's pretty damn good. Yeah, that's what I was. I was. I'm all about soaking it up with the bread. My you know my strategy is like let's get let gets get all these sauces and juices kind of mingling, and then let's go in with the bread and mop up, mop up operation afterwards. I know. Is that something that you did on this trip? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was great. It was really good. Okay. Do you remember the name of the place that you hit? Hey, Martin's. Martin's Barbecue right downtown. Oh, pardon me. Yeah, I know Martin's. It's a legend. You, yeah. You went for the, to the Staples. Okay. Yeah, I did the Staples. I, that's how I, you know, it's, I figured let's do the Staples and then we'll branch out and figure out, uh, you know, what else is going on there. Right, right. I mean, I, I have had Central Barbecue also. I, I've imported Central. Uh and and you know that that was a kind of a a, a lighter barbecue experience. I'm I'm interested in. I'm gonna have to. I'm obviously gonna eat some barbecue when I'm down in in Memphis. Um, but I'm 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 curious now. I I'm surprised to to kind of hear that there's a different tr- tradition, yeah. a different Tennessee tradition with but with these cities that are not very far apart. What's your tell me your what is your strategy when you go to a go to a new city and new place to really explore their food scene what do you do if first? i'm you know if, if it's a play like what i'm going to do in memphis i'm going to go to rendezvous and i'm going to order three quarters of the menu i'm going to go to gus's i'm going to order four fifths of the menu <laughs> i'm not in the, at, at no longer at, at, at this at a stage of life where i can eat every single thing that right. that we we purchase sure. so there'll be a lot of leftovers and maybe we'll share with any hungry homies that we encounter on the trip will happily share stuff. But I think, you know, I want to give the restaurant a chance to wow me both with its own, like the thing that it's known for, but also all, you know, a little bit off, uh, the expected path. Mm-hmm. I want I want to see what the sides are all about, like macaroni and cheese at Gus's because people claim that it's, it's uh, transcendent. I'm going to Gus's for the macaroni and cheese, but right. I, I, I want to try it. And the same will be true of rendezvous. Gonna have ribs, 
Um, gonna have some beef. Gonna have you know uh, pulled pork. I'm gonna just do it all. I'm gonna just try it all the way across the board. One more. Can I ask you one more thing? You you look great. House for people who don't know, house looks fucking great. Every time I see house, I'm like, <laughs> house, you're eating like a king, literally like a sovereign of a of a nation, just eating the best that this nation has to offer, and you look great. How are you doing this, House? What's happening? There are three things, Network, and Tell I've me. gotten smarter. I, I can't Tell say me. that this was the, the way that I've approached it my entire life. The very first thing, water. Mm. Water is the elixir of the gods. Human beings <laughs> and, and, and human beings are meant to drink water. Like you, you, you can't, There's no, no such thing as too much Water. So water, when I wake up, the very first thing I do every single morning is come downstairs and make a big, tall glass of water. That that I really believe gets things going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, so lots of, of water. I'm heavily hydrated. That's one strategy. Uh, sleep. Don't sell yourself short on sleep, hungry <laughs> homies. If you want to try all that the world has to offer and experience it with the best version of yourself, show up well-rested. I, I mean, if it. you're going to have a, if you know there's a great meal coming up in your life, make sure the night before, get yourself your rest and wake up and have a little water. And then as a <laughs> sort of ordinary course thing during the week when I'm just eating for fuel, yeah, I want that fuel to be exceptional. So mm. I go out of my way. I have, I do have very intentional, deliberate, um, green eating during the week. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm not eating terrific proteins at night, but most of my lunches, when I'm on a, a, you know, sort of just powering through my days, podcasting with the best of them, you know, doing the doing doing the Lord's work, of course, of course. I am uh, keeping myself fortified with green food, and it can be in any kind of a variety of ways. I, I mean, it can be uh, soups, it can be salads it can be you know liquid meals with uh you know fruit juices and and fortified with with nut milk and all kinds of stuff like that but i keep it very i'm very disciplined during the week so that uh and this is just lunchtime so that come dinner time i can enjoy myself if that's the way the mood strikes and then it also prepares me for the weekend to go ahead and 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 you know do the food God thing that everybody expects because I mean, that's, that's how I like to live my life. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. Uh, the sleep one is one I'm working on. I think I'm going to get better at. I do drink water. I think I need to drink more water. Clearly I try to eat, you know, healthy to really let myself to set it up for those times when I'm just like, I'm going to go off on a Friday night with friends or whatever it is, but this is great advice. And like, every time I see him, like my house looks freaking incredible. Well, the feeling's mutual. Like, I, I can't think of a time you've ever looked bad to me, Network. You're always the, you know, the motherfucking bundle of energy. You're always the driving force. Well, I, I mean, appreciate I, you, that. That's why you and Mallory are the best. Thank you so much. And she feels the same way about you. Listen. I mean, it's 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 a it's a love affair. Although I did, I have to to modestly observe, we had an unexpected competition for best summer eats at the Ooh. live show at Caesar's Palace. Uh, a week ago, two weeks ago now, coming up on, we did the Bill Simmons podcast uh, in live show form, and Mallory gave out her sort of summer menu, and I gave out my summer menu, 
and I'm, I'm going to humbly report both of which were delicious. Let's just put that out there. Sure. There were two sure, terrific sure. menus, but I got a slightly louder cheer for my version of, of a summer menu. The miscalculation is her her lead item, her number, I mean, what came out of her mouth first, she had the opportunity to go first, was soup. Yeah, she's a soup maniac. Makes sense for her. Yeah. Soup is wonderful, and she wonderful. loves soup. Loves love is love is not strong enough. I think it just confused people. Yeah, that's, that's it's my, confusing, that's, especially for the for the for the season. Yeah, exactly. She, that, that was it. So here's here's I a window into her. a window into Mally Rubin is she is a, a soup has a very passionate relationship with soup. In fact, we have a soup Slack channel here at the Ringer that is is mostly Mallory Rubin asking what kind of soup they have today at the commissary and then either decrying <laughs> what it is or or cheering what it is. And then she'll get three cups of the soup. If it's one that she likes, like if it's chicken noodle or something, she'll be like, I'm going to get three. You know, it's like a like a, a it's like a hedge fund manager or something working on a working on a uh, an acquisition. She'll buy three. Uh, and then give a slight review. This one, the portions were good. The vegetable was uh, mixed well enough, or wasn't, or et cetera. She loves soup, and I agree with you. That probably confused people. Well, I, I, I think two things. There has been uh, among the, the 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 Ringer fandom, yeah, this sort of undercurrent, this growing enthusiasm for the Ringer slacks. I, I, you know, they want to see what what the Ringer people are thinking about the important things in, in our lives. If there was ever a ring or slack that was eligible to just open it up and make it for the people, it's the it's the ring or soup slack. Because first of all, if it really is is dominated by Mallory, everybody wants to know what Mallory has on her mind when it comes to soup every single day. Every, yes, I think it would be a wild success story. I'm not surprised at all to hear that she is the the the. Uh, the, the I, I don't know what the right word is. The the dominant soup queen. I mean, uh, she's <laughs> leading the way. She's the Pied Piper of soup at at the ringer. This is because David Jacoby, uh, you know, uh, well, uh, upon the demise of Grantland, um, you know, moved out to New York, which is totally appropriate. I'm glad he yeah. did that. But uh, the the enterprise lost another passionate soup lover by by uh, yeah losing Jacoby. It's unfortunate. You know, that, yeah, I, but I mean, tell me. you know, I it, it I, I'm going to talk to the powers that be. The, the ringer soup slack. I just feel like we owe it to all the hungry homies out there to let them see how the ringer's getting down. Here, an idea that Jason Gallagher and I had for some extra, uh, you know, some ancillary income for the ringer. That's what we think about all day. Is how do we make this company more money? <laughs> I'm going to pitch it to you right now. Well, please, I'm listening. Right, you are right, right along creative. your idea. I think I, you're you're thinking along the same lines as I am. Great. We call it we call it Ringer Platinum. Oh, right. You you pay whatever fifteen ninety nine a month, and you get exclusive content. And one of one of those things is an invite to Soup Slack, where you get to talk soup with Mallory Rubin on it on a daily basis. I mean, she, is she really going to respond to people? She listen. She loves to talk about soup. Is it gonna? It's gonna be like Shay on his Twitter talking yeah. to the FOH. Yes. I that's, mean, that's only one of the of the myriad pieces of exclusive content that will be available to available to you if you sign up for Ringer Platinum. 
Well, I, I have to say this. Uh, it it better be great because fifteen ninety nine is a lot of effing money. Okay, for, <laughs> yeah. you know we can we'll talk about the price point. All right, what we're good. thinking about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm in. I'm all in, and I'm ready to contribute whatever uh, content uh, everybody out there wants. It'll be golf content. It'll be food content. It'll be uh, s- sleep advice. I'm here. I'm here for the ringer people. Yes. Network. We've done it. It's a beautiful incredible. insight into the Nashville food scene, into the Nashville social scene. You were overdue to come on. Thanks for coming on. What do we have to look forward to with desktop over the, the, the next month? It's, it's about to be quiet in the NBA. It's only, there's only one month when it's quiet, and it's August. Are you going to be doing some desktops? Well, if, if something big happens, we'll probably do an emergency desktop. But right now, we're, uh, we're powering down for the summer, going on yes. hiatus, and thinking yeah. about how to, how to come back uh, better and stronger and uh, more focused for next season. Well, there is another Emmy to be won, so... Uh, Kicking ass and taking names sounds like the right way to approach it. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. All right, my taste buds. There we go. All my thanks to Mark Rosati and Jason Concepcion, this week's House of Carbs guests. We will be back soonest. In the meantime, for part two of the podcast with Mark Rosati, I am open to suggestions. Hit me with your very best Shake Shack hacks. At the House of Carbs is our Instagram feed. Go on over there and bang us with a couple, maybe a picture, a suggestion or two. You can DM us. The DMs are open at the House of Carbs on Instagram. And maybe we'll take a couple suggestions and bounce them off of Brother Rosati for this part two that we have coming up. Until then, my hungry homies. Let's stay hungry out there.